This is the MLW Radio Network. This is Front Row Material with ECW legends Jerry Lynn and Mikey Whipwreck. Here is your host, Mike Freeland. So, I hear that you have uh, some appearances that are be- going to be coming up. Two of them? Yeah. I got froggy right. beside the jump. <laughs> so I, I don't know what the fuck I was thinking because I have to get up at 2 o'clock in the morning now to drive to Newark Airport for a flight at 6. A 6 o'clock flight? Yeah. Oh my I have God. to fly all the way down to fucking Atlanta. Come okay. all the way back up to Charleston, West Virginia. That makes no sense to me. I know. I should have just drove. It would have been much easier. It definitely would have. But anyway. Okay. I will be in Dunbar, West Virginia. Nice. Friday the 29th. Black Friday Bedlam. Ooh. Uh, for international combat sports. And Saturday, I will be at WrestleCade. WrestleCade. And Winston-Salem. Nice. So that'll be a fun time. There's going to be tons of stars there. Guys, if you have not gotten your tickets for WrestleCade, please go online and get your tickets. There's going to be a ton of superstars there, especially a lot of the ECW originals. I know you're going to be there. Uh, what Tommy Is Tommy Dreamer going to be there? I know Hack is going to be there. Ravens should be there. Shane Douglas, probably. Shane Douglas. Pitbull number one, Gary Wolf, will be there. Nice. It should be fun. Has Gary and Shane buried the hatchet? I mean, are they cool? I think so. That's good. It was an accident. Things happen in life. You Indeed. know what I mean? Yes. If you enjoy what we're doing, follow us on social media. You know where to follow us on Twitter. We're the usual suspects. You can go ahead and get your merchandise as well. Shop.spreadshirt.com slash FRMPod. And buy a t-shirt if you want. Oh, please. And uh, the holidays are coming up, which they'd be great Christmas gifts. Um, just make sure you get your promo code so you can go ahead and get uh, a nice discount. If you're getting that as a Christmas gift, you're buying it for yourself. You don't think somebody? You, you don't think somebody that could be a stocking stuffer for somebody? A Mikey Whip Whipwreck uh, drop pie shirt? Who's gonna buy that for somebody else? It's a cool fucking logo. I tell you what, I like it a lot. It's a conversation piece. So if you go out and someone's <laughs> like conversation piece, yeah. <laughs> oh, speaking of fun times, if you like sex just like just about everyone else on planet Earth then I highly recommend you go on over... I love sex, brother! ...to our good friends at BlueChew.com. That's right, BlueChew.com has a product that can help you have more fun in the bedroom. No more worrying about small packages or short matches. They will allow you to go the distance. Mikey. You're going to give your biggest fan their money's worth. They're going to pop, and so will you. Mikey, tell them how they get their Blue Chew. Just go to BlueChew.com, promo code ECW, no doctor visits, no uh, uncomfortable, uh, you know, questions from your female doctor if you have one. It's quite nice, quite lovely. All you got to do is fill out a few questions online. The product will be shipped discreetly to your location. Once again, you don't have to pay for anything except for just the $5 for shipping and handling. That's right, everybody. Your order, your first order is free when you use promo code ECW. Remember, chew it and do it. Did you get a chance to uh, to catch any of uh, this past weekend 
with NXT with their takeover. It, it was a awesome show. Did you get a chance to take a look at that? NXT is tremendous. For me, NXT is my favorite product to watch. Sorry, Jerry. AEW is second, followed by Raw and SmackDown. NWA, Impact. What's after Impact? Ring of Honor? Yeah, I watch Ring of Honor every now and then. What did you like? If you just wanted to mention a few bullet points about what you did like about the NXT War Games, what was something that you that stood out to you? Well, should we talk about the obvious? Holy fuck. That was, I mean, talk about putting your trust in somebody. Cole put his trust in Ciampa like you would not believe. Because he was at the mercy. He was upside down, and that was it. And goddamn, did he take care of him. How long does that typically take when you work with people before you have complete trust in them, just from your experiences in the wrestling business? It depends who it is. Give me an example of somebody you, you had a lot of trust that if they wanted to do something to that nature, you would be comfortable with them doing it to you. Oh, God, ECW, plenty of guys. Jerry. Not that, not that they would do shit like that. But, you know, Jerry, Lance, PJ, you know, there's just certain guys that you work with that you trust, you know, that will make this work. I, I say to myself, I'm going, I would not take that move in a million years. Right. I say that now. As I was 25, 26, 27 years old, oh, I would take it. Absolutely. I would have taken it. <laughs> yeah. Completely different mindset. Do you think a big highlighted spot like that can make an a match that had up to that point not been so great become great? Or do you think it was just a great spot? Maybe at the time it would say, hey, great spot. Not particularly this match, but just in general. Um, you know, it can, you can take an okay match and just have that one spot that just blows people's minds. You know, you want look at Cactus at Hell in the Cell with Taker. You know, that match was nothing special. They didn't, you know, it's, that dies what everybody remembers. And then, you know, the next bump through the cage. But that match became a classic just by that one spot. Right. And that's what people will always remember. Yep. Kind of getting back to, to TakeOver here and the Undisputed Era. A lot of people have been talking about what an influential faction that is. I'm a big fan of them. How would you put them if you were to make a comparison? How would you compare them to other groups? Because I think right now, once they get moved to a different show, which that may or may not happen, I think they're going to be they're going to be a big, big deal. And not that they're not already right now, but I just think they're so talented. What's your thoughts on the Undisputed Era and just the way they've been packaged together? I don't know. Something about the Undisputed Era. They just they just have it. Like there's just charisma and there's just like personality and. The, between the work rate and the, they can all talk. Uh, it's just, they're fucking phenomenal. Like, I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. You give me four other guys that you can put against these guys and tear the house down. I mean. Anybody. You can put anybody with them, tear the house down. Just because they're that good. Yeah. You take other guys that are on that level. I mean, Jesus Christ. And then you throw in a Tomasa Ciampa and you throw in a Keith Lee. Now, when it comes to Keith Lee, Keith Lee's a big guy. Do you think in some ways and I don't want to sound like an asshole by saying this because I'm a bigger guy myself, but he's better off if he were to trim down, or do you think that that's not something that Triple H, who obviously is in charge, is going to be pushing as hard as maybe a Vince would if he was on the main roster or the SmackDown or Raw roster? Or do you think they're going to let him keep his size? 
Well, I'd say let him keep it. You know, the body thing is not as important anymore as it was even just a couple years ago. You know, you have other guys coming in, Kevin Owens. He's he's not a physical specimen like an ultimate warrior would be. True. You know, it, it, he can wrestle. He can work. And I think that's what's becoming more important. As the fans now, a lot of, a lot of them, you see it even with the AEW guys, th- their fans, they're looking at the performance and the characters, and they're not hung up on was well, not six foot six, two hundred and eighty pounds chiseled. If you can go out there, be entertaining, doesn't matter what the fuck you look like. Well, I mean the perfect example is, you know, when Daniel Bryan had his big run. That would have never happened ten, fifteen, twenty years prior. Never. And now you've got guys like Pete Dunn, you know, Tomasa Ciampo, you have uh the injured Johnny Gorgano, who they're right around the six foot mark. They're not very tall, but they're just as great of performers as anybody of any size. And it's neat to see those guys obviously get an opportunity to shine yeah. and not be put back because, oh, he's not 6'5". I feel like it's neat because what NXT is able to do is they're able to take people of different backgrounds, different styles, different body shapes, and they accent their positives and they hide their negatives. And who do we know who did that very well? But some of these guys have no negatives. I mean, that's true. <laughs> I, I, like it is It is hard to point out what, what what's a... A minus sign on their consumer report. And for the record, I think NXT, best women's roster in the business. Oh, I have no doubt. I have no doubt whatsoever. Now, but when it comes to NXT, let me ask you this. And and a lot of people have said this before, that the women's division there is the best right now, at least in the United States. I would agree. I would say second would be Impact Wrestling, which is really, really good. Kind of tying this back to ECW. Was there ever a reason why you guys really didn't have outside of the cat fights with the managers, the valets, ever really have rest, women wrestle? Or was that never something that was ever really discussed? Never really discussed. You know, every now and then, they like a mixed tag, you know, that Beulah had that match with Fonzie. Right. Uh, but women's wrestling was not really a thing in, in the mid-late 90s. You know, it just wasn't, and it wasn't popular in the States. You know, and you, you had good workers too. I mean, that, what, that run Medusa had with uh, Boldecano, Really good match. I mean, even late in the late eighties, the Jumping Bomb Angels with Judy with Judy Martin and Leilani Kai, women's wrestling just never took off until the past couple of years. The women's match, which started off the show, I was so taken back by how well that was done and how strong those female characters were. Do you have a favorite women's wrestler in NXT right now? Do you have anybody who you look at and you go, man, that, that, that one just has the it factor from the performance and from the ability to be on the mic. They're just the total package. I like Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley is, oh man, she's scary. She's legitimately like, like she will put the fear in you and her performance last night ridiculous when she was going at it with Shayna Baszler. Well, she's Shayna Baszler's really good too. Shayna's, uh, Shayna Baszler, I'm going to tell you right now, is my favorite female wrestler in all of wrestling right now. All of wrestling. The way she can perform, the way she can talk, she transitioned into wrestling from MMA so well, so smoothly. But NXT just overall, and Mikey, would you agree that we should get rid of the name developmental, or has that already been gone? I think it's already gone. Once, it has to be. Yeah. They. What can you say about them? You know, there might be some things you're not as seasoned with, 
as far as working cameras and things like that, but they have it. It's not developmental. It's the third brand, legitimate. They get great reactions from the audience. You know, you never hear people chanting Raw. You don't hear people chanting SmackDown, but you hear NXT chanting. And the thing that gets me is there's certain moments in wrestling and certain promotions that when you get that that cult-like chant, and it is so reminiscent of ECW, it just so is, mm-hmm. that the fervent energy of NXT and ECW, they're, they're kind of aligned in the same way. Would you agree with that? They feel like it's their little thing. You know, like the fans in Philadelphia, the ECW arena, they felt like ECW was their little thing. The fans in Full Sail think that NXT is their little thing. And, you know, that's kind of they are. I mean, that's where the TV's done all the time. And that's where they kind of broke out was at Full Sail. So that's kind of, that's their people. Just like we broke out in ECW in Philly. Belt changes as far as the designs. Obviously, the iconic Intercontinental Championship belt was one of the most revered by wrestling fans. And they got rid of it. They went to that more of a oval purple belt for a while. And then Cody Rhodes went ahead and he brought back the more traditional Intercontinental Championship belt. And now they've gotten rid of it and they've gone to the new one. Have you seen the new image yet of the new belt? Yes. It's a nice looking belt. I don't like it for the for the Intercontinental belt, but it's a ni- I mean it's a nice looking belt, I think. Do you think because of the newer generation, the newer audience, that they look for more of that flashy stuff? And if that is going to appeal to a, a broader audience to sell for selling purposes, they're going to change it. Well, I think they'll buy it no matter what. What it is, it's definitely a modern look. Like their their main championships, the blue one and the and the red one. I mean, okay, it's all right. It's got the big WWE logo, and I okay. But those tag team belts are awful. They're fucking terrible. Don't they have the, uh, looks like a Roman helmet or yeah, something look, like that? Yeah, they're round. Looks like shit. Yes. That 24-7 title is fucking terrible. Okay, let me ask you this. When it comes to the 24-7 championship, do you feel like that's a complete waste of time? Yes. Or do you, part of me feels like it's a waste of time, but then part of me feels like it's the only thing that gets certain people involved in the show who normally would not get booked in the show. Which is good for them, but it's still a waste of time. Right. But the IC belt is nice. I like it. Though that, the, the one that Cody brought back is the one I remember. Yeah, but they've been switching belts forever. They had that old, ugly green one that Tito Santana had and Greg Valentine. Who smashed that belt? Didn't they smash it up against the cage? Oh, wow. That's a great question. And then Tito got the new one. The one everybody remembers. Correct. And then Savage had it. And then Warrior got it sort of changing the strap. The color. Just want to get your take on that, whether it really matters or that's more of a fan thing with, with the whole belt talk. Or do you think even guys go, this is fucking stupid looking? Uh, you know, it's, it's like any belt. Some people are going to like it. Some people are not going to like it. Like, here's the thing. The winged eagle belt. Yes. That first debuted on TV, I believe, at the main event, Hogan Andre in 88. Mm-hmm. Right. I hated that belt. That's not the fucking belt. The belt, you know, the other Hogan, the, you know, the, the belt Hogan had. Remember the giant one they made for Andre? The Hogan 85 is what they call it, yes. yes. See, that was a championship belt to me. Okay, so you like, ins- oh, wow. So the, You like that one? Well, that's the one I grew up with. Okay, I get it. Right? And then when they changed it in 88 to that winged eagle belt, I'm like, what the fuck is that? But that's not the belt. Do you still hold <laughs> hostility towards the winged eagle, or you kind of moved on from I that? moved on for it, but every now and then, tweaks my melon. 
<laughs> I can honestly say I've never heard you say tweak my melon. That's good. I like that. I like to save though. Keeping it fresh. What's your favorite kind of melon? The honeydew or the green one? Uh, Bunsen honeydew. Fuck it. Bunsen honeydew? Yeah, it's a muppet. I'm at, I'm, I can't. I can't take you. This is unbelievable. CM Punk. Obviously, he returned back to Fox programming yeah. slash WWE programming. He showed up on, was it backstage? And they tried to keep this big surprise and they showed a video on WWE.com about how they cloaked him so he could get in the studio. Do, do you think CM Punk coming back in 2019 is as impactful as people thought it may have been? He's not wrestling, so it doesn't really matter. Well, maybe. Unless he, re- well, in, unless he wrestles. But who knows? Survivor Series tonight. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> Last Sunday. <laughs> so who knows if he came back or not? But, he, but it was less impactful because he didn't come back to wrestling. If he showed up on Raw or SmackDown, yes, it would have been a fucking 10 times more of an impact. Well, let me ask you this question when it comes to um, CM Punk. Do you feel like what they're doing right now is they're able to openly criticize the brands, which obviously is... Somebody has to criticize it. Knowing this is a Vince thing, do you think that a lot of that is contrived or do you think a lot of that is genuinely sincere about, you know, I think the Rusev-Lana situation is dog shit or do you think that Vince is just going along with what the fans want? It's coming out of the mouth that they want. Therefore, he doesn't care as long as it turns into people tuning in. I don't know about fans giving the people what they want. (laughs) Well, Well, no, what I mean by that is, you know, obviously the fans think it's dog shit. CM Punk thinks it's dog shit, and so Vince is going to allow him to shit on it because that's what people want to do. They want to bury that thing, and what better way to bury it is if you have someone that is a fan favorite shitting on it at the same time. Very possible. It's that whole fucking reverse psychology mm-hmm. thing. You know what I mean? I wouldn't put it past Interesting. It. It's possible. Seth Rollins has been calling out CM Punk for a match, potentially. What do you think? That Do you think that's going to build up to him coming back for a match? You got to think that he's not going to stay out of the fucking ring. I, I can't buy into that. He's just going to be this on again, off again commentator. I, I don't buy that for a second. Well, you never know. But if it turns into something and well, if if it doesn't turn into something, it's just a waste of time. Like they did a whole thing with, with the Miz and Daniel Bryan a couple of years back. Oh, they were doing like that post Smackdown show, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And they were getting into it. But it couldn't. It couldn't have led anywhere because Brian wasn't. He wasn't clear to wrestle. Right. So it's like a giant waste. Got everybody talking, but it wasn't going to go anywhere. So if if Seth is calling him out, I hope they have something that it's going to go somewhere. Right. You know. Otherwise, it's just a waste of time. Well, reports have come out that evidently Phil Brooks turned down a substantial amount of money after he had a meeting with Tony Khan, who wanted him to come to AEW. Evidently, AEW, from what I understand, was wanting wanting him to perform, and he turned down a bunch of money because he said in an interview he's kind of past that. He likes being able to speak his mind, obviously, without having to take a lot of the bumps. Um, you think it was a mistake, mistake by AEW not to give him a mic and maybe put him on commentary, maybe put him on AEW Dark, or maybe even put him on the main show? Don't take this the wrong way, but I don't see CM Punk going to... Not the number one brand. Fair enough. I think if he, if he's going to go back to wrestling, it's going to be with the top company. 
Right. Even though he had so much animosity with them, though, I mean, obviously with Dr. Amon and then the lawsuits and then obviously the way he felt that WWE handled him. And I don't know. It just kind of surprised. He's not even working for them. So who knows? He's working for Fox. He's working for Fox, but WWE's teasing a match between him and Seth. So, no, he's not contractually obligated. Well, how do you know they're contract- teasing? Who's teasing a match? Seth, Seth Rollins. Seth is. Maybe he, wants, right. maybe he wants him to have a match. So you're saying maybe he's trying to do this maybe. to coax him to sign a contract to be a performer again. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe he's already signed it. Maybe he'll never sign it. Maybe he just wants to have a match against CF Buck. Who knows? Nobody knows shit. No, we don't. We all speculate. The only guy who really knows what's going on is uh, is Vince. This Triple could be H. a completely moot point because when this airs, we can have the answer to all these questions. <laughs> Let me ask you about your thoughts on AEW, and and I want to get specific with this. Oh God, Are you trying to get Jerry in trouble? What the? <laughs> with what they're doing right now, with having some of their top stars, obviously, we talked about this, putting over other stars who may or may not be as exposed to the American wrestling base is definitely a good thing for business. Would you agree with that? Obviously, the Bucks putting over uh, Santana and Ortiz, you know, obviously, Private Party getting put over by the Young Bucks as well. That's the Bucks showing, hey, we're part of the office, so it's kind of our job to make sure that we can build up other people and not just create this new company that's going to highlight us. Right. Well, they have to build stars. They have to. I think the biggest knock right now with AEW, and and nothing against it because I think the women really are are trying, is that division really needs some strong personalities in there. They really do. Um, Interestingly enough, Dr. Britt Baker was actually shown on NXT TakeOver from Chicago. That's pretty fucked up, huh? Yeah. (laughs) After the uh, the big Adam Cole moment, they panned the camera over to her, and she was uh, she had her face was kind of in shock. And Triple H had made a comment, and he said, "Well, what do you want us to do?" She's sitting front row. It's like sometimes you just got to go with it. And I agree with him on that point. You know what I mean? Why try to hide it? They're in a relationship. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those weird things where years ago that never would have happened. You know what I mean? Now, it wouldn't have happened because they wouldn't have let her sit front row or they just would have completely, as far as the camera and the blocking, just never put her on camera. Right. I mean, if she actually literally bought a ticket for front row, I don't think they can kick her out. But they would never would have addressed it. Right. But, but, but here's the thing. The AEW fans, they like shit like that. Because the AEW fans are smarter fans for the most part. Right. If you take percentage-wise, the percentage of AEW fans that are smart, and you compare it to the percentage of WWE fans that are smart, the percentage is a lot higher on the AEW I, side. I would agree with that. Right. So they know that Britt and Adam, they're, you know, they're an item, mm-hmm. right? So they see Britt on TV going, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, okay, cool. Right? Well, the WWE fans who don't know, have no idea what the fuck is going on. They don't know who Britt Baker is for the most part, right? And the ones that are smart are going, ooh, that's pretty, ooh, that's an AEW person, ooh. Just gets people talking. I don't think anybody really gives a fuck one way or another. When It's interesting you made a good point about that, how the, 
I don't know, the intelligence of the different wrestling fans, but I feel like people in WWE, fans of WWE, live in their own WWE bubble. Do you know what I mean? Like, they know all Lon and Rusev. We, we know about that. But we knew, obviously, CM Punk and AJ Lee. We knew about that. But I feel like a lot of the other stuff, they really seem to either be either closed off or they just don't want to even think about that. Does that make sense? We are so in tuned to know everything that we're spoiled. The largest portion of the WWE audience has no idea what AEW does. They have no idea about Ring of Honor. They have no idea about Impact. They just don't know. They think of wrestling, they think of WWE. That's just what they think about. You can see the internet audience, the smarts, that pay attention to everything. Right? Probably about a million people. A million and a half. You take the AEW audience and the NXT audience, you put them together, that's the smart audience. Because if, because if they were like wrestling fans, we have to watch wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. They'd be watching NXT, they'd be watching AEW, they'd be watching SmackDown, they'd be watching Raw, they'd be watching everything. But for the most part, the largest part of the audience that watches wrestling watches Raw and SmackDown. And you see the numbers plummet when it comes to NXT. So that shows you what the NXT audience is, the smart fans who have the network. Is that what, 900,000, something like that? Roughly, yeah, roughly. That, that's that's your, give or take, that's going to be your rough audience of your smart fans. Now, it's can they take the casual wrestling fan from Raw and SmackDown and then bring them into NXT? Can they get the casual wrestling fan that's going to watch Raw and SmackDown, come over to watch NXT, flip channels and happen to see AEW? You got to get the casual wrestling audience. You got to find them. They're somewhere. A, lot, a big portion of the audience left when WCW died. And that's been nearly, what, 20, and, 20 plus years ago. And never came back. So now you have AEW that's on TNT. So people that get wind of it, oh, let's, let's check this out. Now, are they going to like what they see or not? I don't know. Because it's completely different than it was 20 years ago. Don't you agree that at the end of the day, just end the brand extension and just have it one big solid conglomerate? That would kind of solve your problem? Mike, that's a whole other story. I mean, but would you agree, though? I mean, I know you've been an advocate of ending well, the, the brand. The, I can see it now because they're pushing towards Survivor Series. Okay, I get it. If it still continues after Survivor Series is over, then it just makes no sense. Right. But yeah, I get it now. <clears throat> Why they're doing it. And they started ahead of time because everybody got stuck in Saudi Arabia. Broken plane. <laughs> Hashtag Epstein didn't kill himself. Um, I just – I feel like it's interesting that – Yes, they're building this up for Survivor Series. You're right. They're trying to have the different teams. That's cool. Trying to pit each other against each other. But once again, if they continue to do it, there's no point in having separation from anybody at that point. Right. But if they don't do it, then I get it. They're going to keep things separate. Which is Raw and SmackDown. It's the same thing. Why even bothering? Oh, now we have the free agent rule or the wild card rule. Okay. Great. It's It's utterly ridiculous. There's no point. There's no point. It's it's. But then I I asked the question on social media. Then with. I don't know. Who's running it? I mean, I, and I get it. Vince is doing it. I understand that. But there's no one to say, hey, this is not working. But They can right. say it's not working all they want. If Vince goes, God damn it. Okay. <laughs> hopefully, Speaking- he, hopefully he leaves NXT alone and continues to do so. I, I don't think that he would have anything to do. But, but 
Oh, God. It's such a convoluted conversation because when NXT guys go to Raw or SmackDown, I'm no longer going to say move up to the main roster because I believe Tommaso Ciampo even said it on NXT. He goes, this is the main roster. If they move, I feel like they get lost in the mix. How many times have we said that? NXT guys, oh, they're going to they're gonna move up. Oh, they get fucking lost. Why? They get lost in the Vince McMahon world who doesn't know what the fuck to do with them because they don't fit his image of what he perceives to be a good talent. The problem is there's too many people. You think they should start maybe releasing some people? I don't want to say them release people, but there's they're trying too hard to get too many people on. And as you're just doing things to get them on, you're putting them in an insignificant role. Such as the 24-7 belt. Right. That's just getting people on just to get them on. So, uh, okay. It's an interesting discussion that obviously we will continue at a later time. Uh, something I did want to jump into here, obviously, since we are coming through on the Thanksgiving uh, holiday. I'm very excited. I didn't know you liked cranberry sauce that came from the can. I thought you, I thought you would have been like the guy who likes the actual fruit berries. Surprises me. What? It just surprises me, your your taste of cranberry sauce. You You like the kind that has that odd bodily function sound as it's coming out of the uh, the tin can. That's what I grew up with, Freeland. You grew up with the Hogan 85 belt as well. That's all I'm going to say. Grew up a Pathmark, no frills. The entire aisle was white. It's a supermarket. It was called Pathmark. They had their generic store brand, right, which now looks like a regular brand mixed in with everybody else. Okay. Not back when I grew up. When I grew up, the brand was called No Frills. It was a completely white box with black lettering, and it had a blue and red stripe going across the front of the box or the package. And everything was the entire aisle. They had everything in the one aisle. It was completely white. No frills. It's like nowadays, they put the store brands mixed in with the national name brands. You know, you go, oh, spaghetti sauce. And we go in and you, you see you see ragu and you see prego and you see the, the store brand. All nice together, mingling nicely. Hey, look how happy we are. We're all equal. Not back <laughs> when I grew up. When I grew up, no frills was for the fucking poor people. And they had its own little aisle. And everything, the box was white. And I think it was like aerial font, plain, nothing to it. And it sucked. No frills. Look, they even had no frills beer. Freeland, I'm not kidding. I don't think you're kidding. I completely, I, I hear the sincerity in your voice. Look, do, do a Google search. Just search oh. No Frills Pathmark. Oh, wow. Oh, geez. The, see, the, see the, the beer can just says see, beer. It says beer. A white can, aerial font, <laughs> a blue and red stripe that says No Frills. This is unfucking believable. Like, literally. You guys need to go ahead and Google this, but I'm not kidding. Every product, there's no, there's no design. There's nothing. He's right. It's Arial font, and it just has the name of whatever is in the can. That's it. Yeah. Potted meat food product, no frills. <laughs> yeah. Beer. It's just beer. It's a yeah. white can, completely white, and it just has the word beer. They had cigarettes, too. Oh, my. Wow. Spaghetti. It's just spaghetti. Oh, man. Yeah. How do, how do we get on this topic? I have no fucking idea. <laughs> God damn it! God damn it! 
are fucking waist deep in this bullshit, and I'm just wondering, oh, how are we going to bring it back? And uh, I don't even know how we got here. Neither do I. I would shop at this place. I would. Ranch. <laughs> ranch dressing is just just ranch. Yeah. I mean, literally, you cannot tell the difference between the ranch and the power steering fluid unless <laughs> you oh. could read. If you can't read, you're fucked. You're done. Yep. Wow. Holy cow. The beer thing just gets me. <laughs> that is fucking tremendous. Yeah. Oh, there's the cigarettes. There's the cigarettes. <laughs> oh. oh. No frills. Oh. Wow. No frills bacon. No frills cola. I still not quite sure what potted meat food product is, but that's... <laughs> I think that was spam. Okay. Wow. No gimmick infringement on any of this. Holy cow. Yeah, no gimmick what, needed. And if you're wondering, if you're thirsty, all you need is water, but you can have yourself some grape drink, and that's all it fucking says. I am not sure and if in the, there's... And in the grape drink, that was that was actually a <laughs> uh, you know, Hawaiian punch or high oh, sea. Oh, okay. Uh, no, Kool-Aid. It was Kool-Aid. <laughs> but, you know, they say you put in like, you know, eight scoops per gallon. Right. No. Two scoops. Wow. We were not even allowed to put in the full. Right. So it was just like, it wasn't even purple. It was like, like <laughs> lavender. It was, it was just slightly tinted water. It had like no taste. It was like, wow, wow this is really good water. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. If any of you listening have any memories of this, please, by all means, go ahead and uh, tweet Mikey and myself and the show and uh, hashtag no frills. No frills. They had spaghetti wow. and we ne- we didn't, we couldn't afford the sauce. So we just had spaghetti, spaghetti with butter. Wow. Wow. Keeping it real, my friend. Keeping it real. So what, so when I go out and I have somewhere and I have spaghetti. Yes. I get extra fucking sauce. <laughs> you want to make up for lost time. <laughs> I do. <laughs> so my wife, she, you spend so, she goes, you spend so much money on food every week, like eating for lunch or whatever. I said, when you grow up like I did, and you have the ability to go out and buy food, I'm going to, oh, fucking McDonald's? Fucking <laughs> sweet. I think this is why I'm fat. Because I couldn't eat as a kid. Talking about things with no frills, there was a really interesting um, episode where Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, was talking to Mark Calloway, who everyone knows is The Undertaker. Did you uh, did you hear about this one here? I did not see this yet. Okay. Well, this was really interesting because it basically goes into the story of how The Undertaker was worried that he was actually going to get pegged to be the gobbledygooker. Yes. So... He was worried about that. He was going to be the Eggman. Yes. And who did we find out was actually the gobbledygooker? One of the Guerreros? I think it was Hector Guerrero. I think it was. In a clip from WWE legend Stone Cold Steve Austin's upcoming WWE Network series, Steve Austin, The Broken Skull Sessions, The Undertaker's, his real name is Mark Calloway, revealed one of his biggest fears leading up to his debut in the WWF. So he says, so about that time I got a phone call. They were doing this promotion where 
on the show back then, they do uh, three or four weeks in a row, and they had this gigantic egg on the set, The Undertaker said to Stone Cold, as they displayed a photo of the gobbledygooker's egg. So he says, this egg appears on the show, right? And all of a sudden, in my mind, just starts running like, oh, man, they're going to bring this to me, and they're going to bring me this outlandish gimmick, and I'm going to have to be in this egg. So... What would you do if you were, back in the day, you were a young Mark Calloway in the WWF? Do you just roll with that, or do you say any level of objection? I am the Eggman. <laughs> I am the walrus. Goo-goo-ga-choop. <laughs> if, if we could get ourselves, uh, if the Halifax Matt, the uh, podcast producer extraordinaire, can give us a little uh, Undertaker ambiance right here. And uh, Mikey, can you uh, can you give me a promo in The Undertaker when he cracks out of the egg? What would he say to the audience? Fuck. That might be that might be what he said. Fuck. <laughs> There's a turkey in the room. Slap jam death. I am the Eggman. I am the Walrus. Cuckoo-ca-choo. <laughs> Me, Gene oh. <laughs> I've hatched from the egg. I'm the Eggman. I'm from Sonic the Hedgehog. What? I have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. Oh. This is as stupid as the egg. <laughs> but what the fuck did you expect was going to come out of the egg? It's a fucking egg. I don't know. What would he say? No, I, I mean, what do you say if if you're strapped with a gimmick like the gobbledygooker? I mean, the thing's been built up for so long. I think a lot of wrestling fans at the time, including me, thought something big was going to be happening. But then it just turned into a big... A big shit show, in my opinion. You know, everyone has their own, but... Anyway. Anything else on your mind from uh, from the week that was in wrestling? Anything you want to talk about? Any highlights? Not really. We kind of hit them all. We did. We hit a lot of stuff. All right. For Mikey Whipwreck, for Jerry Lynn, who's on assignment, I am Mike Freeman. Why do you keep saying on assignment? He's getting surgery in two days. Six days. Two days, depending on what you think to this. Oh my god! I'm just trying to, you know, keep things keep things above board here. Sound professional? Because I'm a professional. You know what I mean? Every time you talk about Jerry above board, you know, he has kind of has like a connotation. There. Okay, we're done. That's gonna do it. We'll catch you next week on Front Row Material. <laughs>